Milk minute, milk This is Maureen Farrell and Heather O'Neill, and this is the Milk Minute. We're midwives and lactation professionals, bringing you the most up-to-date evidence for all things lactation, so you can feel more confident about feeding your baby, body positivity, relationships, and mental health. Plus, we laugh a little or a lot along the way. So join us for another episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Milk Minute. Hey there, it's me, Elvis. Welcome, <laughs> welcome back to the Milk Minute. Why do you always make fun of my... Like, you guys don't even hear it half the time. We cut them out half the time. Every time I say welcome... And she stares at me. She gives me the bug eyes like I have to introduce the show. Okay? And then proceeds to just ruthlessly criticize the way I say it every time. I have so few joys in life like that one. Let me have it. You, I'm not saying you have to stop. I am saying we need to start being honest with our listeners about what that looks like. About who the mean one really is here. <laughs> it's me. I'm the problem. My, my um, campers when I was a camp counselor used to call me Mean Maureen. Mean Maureen. But in like, or or they would, they also call me um, malicious, like malicious. Oh, but but not like in a playful way. But they were like. We really appreciate the lessons you teach us, but you are a little bit ruthless in how you teach them. And I was like, well, it's fair. Well, <laughs> That's fair. I do let you make your own mistakes, and then I sit you down and tell you why it was a mistake. <laughs> You're just giving them enough rope to hang themselves with. That's exactly it. That's funny. I would say in regular day-to-day life, I'm the meaner one of the two of us. But as a teacher, you're probably much more strict and mean than I am. I think it's not that I'm strict. I think it is just that I'm like, oh, you want to make that mistake? Have fun with that. Bye. (laughs) I'll be there to scoop you up off the pavement. I told you it was a mistake, but I'll just let you make it. (laughs) It's kind of how I am with my kids, too. Malicious. I like that. It was a fun one. Yeah, it was fun. It was teenagers, you know, calling me that. So it was all in good fun. You know, I um, I don't know what teenagers would call me. The young kids that I've worked with have just yeah. called me heifer or header. <laughs> oh, heifer. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my little neighbor boy, James, though, he's so cute. He goes, header. Mm-hmm. Hey, Miss Header. <laughs> Look at this, Miss Header. And it's um, the cutest. Lyra's in the stage of adding syllables to words she can't <laughs> oh, say. That. I'm trying to think how she said your name when I was like, oh, yeah, like Heather's having a baby. I think she was like, Heather Wawa. You know, like, Heather Wawa. Yes. Why not? Because <laughs> Heather Wawa Wawa wants this baby to come out. <laughs> and then it did. Uh, and then it did. And here we are. Here we are. Taking a break. Yep. Which is what leads us to this episode, which we are rerunning for you because it was one of your favorites and one of our favorites as well. And still one of the biggest problems that we see in lactation. And I still feel like I. I don't have the final answer, so at some point we may have to do a part two on this episode. But for now, this is the best we've got. Well, and you know what else I was thinking that we didn't include in this episode is when you watch any mammal show on Discovery Channel or whatever, and you see a mammal breastfeeding, those babies pop on and off all the time, too. Except there's always, like, the one little one that just, like, stays on in the corner, you know, and there's, like, eight babies climbing all over each other. That's true. (laughs) It's like the litter, you know, pops each other on and off. So it's like, I don't know. Oh, and you see those little baby monkeys that are just, like, on, off, 
on, Ugh. off, on, off. And you're like, I, f- I feel you. Yeah. But monkey nipples are so much more They're like... like straws. They are more like straws. Wouldn't that be handy? They, or they, like, the way that they get saggy <laughs> after <laughs> breastfeeding is very much like that. So recently, because I'm still nursing... Uh, probably will. Are you my about to tell us story. about your monkey nipples? Uh, yes. No, recently Lyra like is very cognizant of when she's not breastfeeding correctly, you know, mm. but she's at a very mischievous age. Mm. And so if I'm like not paying attention and she's like, you know, just chill and nursing, which is like once or twice a day and she like wants me to notice her, she'll unlatch and then like, like slurp Ugh. the nipple in and then laugh at me. And I'm like, nothing makes me want to throw you across the room more mm. than when that happens. And I'm not going to do that. Disclaimer, would never do that. But my initial reaction is in my brain. It's the intrusive thought is that. I, I flicked Heidi in the head once. <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but I did it. it and she, she cried and then I cried. And then I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really like, you're like, I don't know. My brain just broke. And then you're like, I didn't too. punch you. I just, I just flicked your flicked, nose. No, I flicked her in the forehead. Oh I was like, bam. <laughs> Oops. That's pretty funny. My bad. And she's never been the same. <laughs> I'm kidding. She's, no, it's fine. She's fine. It's fine. <laughs> she's a little aggressive now, but she's fine. I think there was one time I bit Griffin. <laughs> he, he was in a biting phase, you know, and I was like trying every gentle parenting trick in the book and it wasn't working. And I was just so mad one day. I just bit him back. <laughs> the mother mammal has finally had enough. It didn't... She bit her cub right <laughs> on the face. It didn't change anything, but we both did cry. <laughs> and he was like, Mama, why? See, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. That's just, it is what it is. That's your Doing message like for today. Do like they do on the Discovery Channel. Do it now. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to do it and uh, say goodbye. And you're going to listen to our popping on and off rerun. Hope Bye. you love it. Hello. Welcome. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy, happy Friday. <laughs> it's been a miraculous week for all of us here, all two of us. <laughs> <laughs> the whole team. Well, there is a greater team, but we just don't actually see them. Yeah, I did see one of them, actually. Wow. Over the holidays, I saw Tiffany Getz, who does all of our podcast transcripts and all of our Wednesday wins on Instagram. So she's the one that does all of the amazing little shout outs for you guys. And she does the mm-hmm. award stories in our Instagram. Um, she uploads everything to the website. And she is just the person that I never have to double check. Like she is so thorough and she's got three kids and a husband and she is like, she's the kind of person that paints her bathroom after all the kids go to sleep and always has porch decor and tablescapes. And I'm (laughs) like, I don't know how you do it, Tiffany. (laughs) Girl, how? But our lovely audio editor, Cherie, is moving across the whole ocean. Yes, Cherie Louise Turner is following her real passion, which is baby lambs, all the way to Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) We love Cherie so much. (laughs) Cherie has been our podcast mom now for two years. Mm -hmm. How long have we been doing this? And um, Cherie has always loved Maureen's baby lamb stories and always used to lament about the times that she went to Ireland. And she used to live there back in the day. And all the wonderful scenery and the <laughs> and the castles and the people and the lambs. And she just told us the other day that she is moving back Yay. there. So congrats to Cherie chasing her dreams. Now we can trade baby lamb pictures. Yes. 
Yes, everyone should be living their best life with tablescapes and baby animals. Absolutely. (laughs) How are you living your best life, Maureen? Goodness, that's a great question. (laughs) You know what? I'm not right now, but I should be at some point. It's just not happening this month. What's your deal? Well, (laughs) you know, I just, um, I feel like I, so right now Ivan is mostly off work because it's like a seasonal thing. So I've been working more and it makes me feel like I should then be able to catch up, but I like still haven't. Do you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I'm just living in this constant state of like minor existential dread about my like ability to do things. (laughs) Oh my God. It's great. Anyway. Yeah. But, um, but otherwise my kids are actually great. I don't know what happened, but my seven-year-old like turned a very like, he he turned like a maturity corner. Mm. I don't know. Like he's not I like a lot of the behavior problems that were really driving me up the wall have just kind of like faded away. Oh, that's nice. Not all of them, you know, he's still a kid. But yeah, like I dropped him off at a friend's house the other day, which usually like her kids are buck wild and so are mine. And I was like, here, take mine for a couple hours. She was like, yeah, there were no problems. He didn't fight with my kids. He didn't shout even when they were shouting. And I was like, wow. That's great. Yeah. One less thing to worry about. I know. It's great. And he's not like complaining about school right now too, which is nice. That's awesome. I know. Heidi went and played with a friend, our our neighbor friends the other night, maybe yesterday. I don't know. Time's a black hole. And I asked my husband how it was because I was away for a girl's trip. And he said, oh, no, it was really good other than one small incident where Heidi (laughs) choked James out because he wouldn't give her something she wanted to play with. But other than that, they did great. And I was like, why do we have the kid that will choke out another four-year-old? That's okay. I I sympathize with that, Heather. (laughs) And then again, why don't we all just choke people out when they don't give us what we want. Yeah. When I see my toddler do things like that, I'm like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like hard to be mad. We were like, well, honestly. Yeah. Well, like (laughs) Griffin loves to get in Lyra's face. He just wants to like kiss her and love her all the time. Mm -hmm. And she just literally punches him in the face. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. And you're like, well, don't get so close (laughs) next time. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, look, dude, if you didn't ask her if you could kiss her on the face... And then she yells and punches you in the face because you did it without asking. There's really nothing I can do there. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Let's see. Updates on my end. I finally have a new office that is in progress. We have started the build out as of today. Hopefully my husband is signing the lease as we speak with a notary. That is a big deal, Chase. Or Chase Cash. Jesus Christ. Back up. What's his name? Who am I married to? I don't know. (laughs) Chase, ew. Cash. I swapped the <laughs> the H in his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he better not fuck that up. <laughs> yeah, don't mess this up. And um, it's going to be beautiful. So we're going to have three exam rooms with three lactation consultants. Oh and I hired a chief operating officer. Wow. So she is going to be doing all of our everything. She everything you hoped and dreamed? Yes. Oh, my. And more. So she's one of my best friends since, like, kindergarten. And um, we actually met in Sunday school, which is hysterical (laughs) because we, yeah, if you knew us now. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, she's going to be keeping us on the straight and narrow and doing all of the things with binders and details that my brain just won't do. Wow. Um, all of the writing that I want to do for PR and in our state and promotion of breastfeeding and things like that. So 
big stuff. Also, last week, the reason you could not reach me, Maureen, basically, is because I am now in network with PEIA. Oh, Lord. And I... good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm scared. So we're going to be billing some insurance directly, not all, because they don't all play nicely with lactation and I have to keep the lights on. (sighs) Yeah. But we are also trying to get in network with WVU's new insurance, Peak Health. And so that's been a little bit of a process. And um, there's been a lot of emailing and just trying to set everything up. So new, 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 building, 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 and time-sensitive stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Scary. Good job, though. Thank you. You know, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, I can't believe I'm allowed to do any of this stuff. I feel you. Like, sometimes people get off, like, a consult with me and I just, like, stand up from my desk and I'm like, I just don't know why people, (laughs) like, (laughs) what is happening? People listen. (laughs) Yeah, they want to get better, and you have the answer. And you're like, how did I get the answer? I don't know how I got the answer. We just keep talking about breastfeeding. So anyway, speaking of things that are a little annoying to deal with. Yes, difficult. Today we're going to be talking about babies popping on and off the boob. Yeah, this one gets you guys. Uh, This is Maureen and I were just talking (laughs) about the fact that when someone calls for a console about popping on and off, we already know we're going to have like 50 questions yeah. just to figure out which camp we're going to have to put you in and then, you know, reverse engineer what's going on. And to be honest, this has been on our to-do list for like eight months. Mm-hmm. And, and every time we go to record, it's on there and then we're like, next time. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's important though. And I yes. think a lot of people are clicking on this one because... Popping on and off the nipple is one of the number one complaints that we both get from parents. Yeah, we we have to tackle it. I just have to say, you're welcome. (laughs) Because uh, I worked my butt off for this episode because, like Heather said, a consult about this is pretty much just, like, 20 questions over and over and over. So it's hard to, like, make that into an informational episode. But we're going to do our best. And you may still have questions after this, but hopefully this can give you an idea of, like, where to start. Yeah. So, you know, and it's not all bad. So these are not all bad things. So if your baby's popping on and Mm -hmm. off, your baby's not broken and you're not broken, sometimes it's actually great. And it means your baby's a genius. can be totally normal. So let's just go through these reasons one by one. And if you are listening and you start feeling overwhelmed by the episode and you still can't figure out why your baby is doing this behavior, then I highly recommend you book a consult with one of us or another lactation professional to try to figure out what's going on because something is going on. Yes, we can be your booby detectives. Your boob detectives. Yes. So Maureen Reminder is in Elkins. And so if you are Mm -hmm. near Elkins, West Virginia, and you can do an in-person visit with her, that would be great. But she also does telehealth. I am in Morgantown, West Virginia. So if you want to see me in person here or telehealth, that's amazing. And I am in network with some Mm -hmm. insurance no matter what state you're in. So always just reach out and ask. Yeah. And, you know, even if you see that our out-of-pocket price is really high, ask anyway. Yeah. You know, I I know it might not happen, but we might be able to say, hey, I can't do it, but this person can. Mm-hmm. You know, or we, this we is a free resource you. we've already made, exactly. and let me give it to you. Exactly. So, okay. Well, before we go any further, I want to thank a new patron, Amy S. Thank you so much for joining us on Patreon. And um, we really appreciate everybody's support. 
Yes. For as little as 25 cents an episode, you can support us too. So let's take a minute to thank one of our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to answer a question from a listener about something that I previously said in another episode. Oh, Yes. I have to clarify something. (laughs) Have you guys ever been listening to our show and thought to yourself, man, I really want to work one-on-one with Maureen? I do every day that I sit here podcasting across from you. Well, lucky for you and everybody at home, I offer both in-person and virtual support through my business. And in my business, Highland Birth Support, I'm dedicated to mentoring you guys through your childbearing year. So that could start with fertility all the way through pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum. I offer home birth midwifery services, doula services, lactation support, herbal support, anything you guys need. You even do miscarriage support. Absolutely, I do. That's one of the biggest things that is so hard to find. And I think that your people that are local to you are so incredibly lucky to have this service. Thank you. And I just feel really happy to serve everybody. And I'm so happy I can expand my services virtually as well. Yeah, telehealth for lactation has been really important through the pandemic. And I think we just about got it perfected at this point. So if you guys want to work with me, head over to highlandbirthsupport.com and check out what I can offer you. That's H-I-G-H-L-A-N-D birthsupport.com. Welcome back, everybody. Let's get into this question about something I said. (laughs) (laughs) Clarifying questions. So this question is from a new patron. Holly S., here's your question. You said in a previous episode that if you had another kid, you would be an overproducer because of your knowledge now. Can you elaborate on that at some point? I'm an overproducer, but start to struggle when I go back to work due to the pressures of being a retail pharmacist and time constraints of walking away from customers. Mm. So here's what I meant when I said that. I was a half-ass breastfeeder <laughs> with Truth. both of my kids. I did not educate myself beforehand. I did not use the correct flange size. I did not own a Haka. I did not have a milk storage plan. I had previously pumped into Ziploc bags, not all the time, but when I ran out, (laughs) I really put in extremely minimal effort and I was a just enougher. So I was saying, I just assume that if I prepared in any way, maybe didn't give a bottle in the first three days of life or didn't do a pacifier or maybe didn't do a circumcision with my son. Or or, or just like put effort into storing milk early or using correct pumping things in no any doubt. way. No doubt. If I had done anything right along the way, I think I would have been an overproducer, which means more than just enough. It doesn't necessarily mean a crazy overproducer like hyperlactation. It just means I would have had a surplus of milk. Right. And so what we... What she meant by that, and I think what a lot of people are able to do with the right knowledge is to plan for those difficult times that you're talking about, right? When you say you struggle when you go back to work because of X, Y, Z, now you know that. You've been through that before. And so next time you can say, okay, I know the problems and I know the solutions. So let's make a plan so that those can happen. Right. And Holly, I just want to tell you, if you are my patient, the thing that I would focus on the most is your equipment setup. I would want to make sure that you had the best pump with the correctly sized flanges and all of the stuff that you needed to be successful. And that might mean more than one pump. It might be a hands-free pump. That's usually what I recommend for folks in that situation where, you know, they're not always able to sit and take a break. Make sure you have a hands-free pump that you can wear and have a really good sit-down pump. 
when you are able to sit down and use it. And make sure you know what your rights are now that the Pump Act has passed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because now, at the federal level, 9 million more parents who are lactating at work have access to those rights, which is great. Yeah. At some point, we're going to elaborate on that. Somebody asked us to do an episode, and I was like, yes, I would love to when I can sit down and actually read the whole thing by myself <laughs> and not just rely on somebody else's interpretation. Yep. Good call. So, TBD. <laughs> TBD, but just so you know, that happened, and uh, we always direct people to the Center for Work-Life Law. And that is a nonprofit mm -hmm. with lawyers on the other end of a free phone call to help you navigate pumping at work if, or being pregnant at work. Yes. Wonderful. All right. Let's pop off. Oh, my God. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew it. Ooh. I was waiting for it. I'm going to pop off on you for saying that. <laughs> um, okay. So let's start. Can we start in yeah. the first few days of life? I think we should start then. We should start there at the beginning. Because age matters. It's part of our assessment when you say my baby won't stay latched. Yeah. How old are they? Yeah. So if it is the first few days of life, it could potentially just be normal reflex integration. Absolutely. And by that, we mean when your baby is born, they have motor skills that their brain automatically tells them to do but they have no context for when and how to use them. Mm -hmm. So that's actually what they're learning, quote, you know, when they learn to breastfeed is not actually how to latch and how to suck. It's when to latch and when to suck. And also babies are born with like, this is an arbitrary number, but a million trillion more neuronal connections than we have. Way and more. They, way more. Yeah. So they have to actually prune them out. By lack of use. Yeah. So that's why they're so disorganized. That's why they can't, like, pick up a pencil with their two fingers <laughs> and they just, like, shake all the time. Yeah, or why they latch and unlatch and latch and unlatch. And it often, with that newborn, looks like they'll put their mouth over your nipple, whip their head back, shake it around, and then put it back. And then whip it back and shake it around. I'm and doing like, it to the microphone right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, pretty much every baby... Like 90% of the babies I've seen at birth do that within the first hour, right? But some babies continue that for a couple days. Yeah. I always kind of equate it to throwing spaghetti at the wall, the way they do their, <laughs> their pruning. Yeah. And if something sticks, i.e. they suck on a nipple and they get milk, their brain goes, ooh, you mm -hmm. got rewarded. Do it again. And that's why when we see that in that initial reflex integration period, we're often going to say, hey, can you express a little bit of colostrum, spread it on your nipple, put a drop on baby's tongue, and just kind of... Um, help bridge the gap for the association of what's going on there. Yep. we It's it's brain training. It's just like when you bring your puppy to the pee pad mm -hmm. every single time, be like, this is where you pee, this is where you pee. And then eventually their brain is like, I have to pee, I have to go to the pee pad. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so you don't want to necessarily get frustrated with your baby. That's You just look at your baby and you go, oh my gosh, look at you learning new things. Good mm -hmm. for you. Now, I will say... Other things that tend to happen in the first few days of life that can complicate this or um, make this drag on a little bit longer than it normally would are circumcisions. Yeah. So that is something I think I have almost never seen someone informed of before they yep. go in for a circ. Um, and I've 
had a lot of consults about this and a lot of complaints and a lot of stories of, oh, right after the circumcision, my baby never breastfed again. That was my husband. That was his mom's story. And the reality is we can usually get those babies back to the breast. It's a pain management issue and it's a very short-term issue, but we have to be consistent. Well, and it's also because they will give your baby a pacifier during the procedure with sugar water. Yes. Like nine times out of ten, more than that, 99% of the time, they're going to get a pacifier with sugar water. And that pacifier in that early, early phase of life where their brains are like Play-Doh and Mm -hmm. very pliable, it can completely change their suck. Not all babies, but some babies. And we just don't know what kind of baby you have. Yeah. So there's that issue to consider. And we also have to consider, like, are you just accidentally, like, putting pressure on a fresh wound when you're holding them in, like, a cradle position or something that worked 20 minutes before the procedure but isn't going to work now? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we also will see a little bit of this nipple confusion after a bottle supplement in the yeah. hospital. So maybe we had some jaundice or some low blood sugar and we supplemented with a full bottle, not a spoon, not a cup, but a bottle. And so I actually just did a whole continuing education mm. on this. And I really like the analogy that the instructor used where she said, this is like Serena Williams switching tennis rackets right before the big game. <laughs> so she's like... It's similar, but different. And then when she goes back to her original racket, that's bad too. So now it's like a mess because it's so similar. Whereas the cup or the spoon is so different, it has a net zero Mm -hmm. effect on the suck. So that's why lactation consultants will often use spoons and cups versus bottles in those initial days where their brains are like Play-Doh. Yeah, particularly when the goal is exclusive breastfeeding, And we know that that supplementation is a short-term thing. And we're like, okay, we just have to get through a couple of days. We can totally do this. And we want baby back to the boob. And this is where we will try finger feeding a lot of times. Um, So if your lactation consultant comes in the hospital and starts doing finger feeding with you with a lot of this popping on and off behavior after a bottle or after a circumcision, please don't get overwhelmed and think you have to do this forever. This is something that we are tackling one feed at a time. Yeah, it might literally be a few hours of that intervention because their brains are so pliable. It might be a few days. It's not going to be months. Yep. And this will be with mom's finger. So, you know, it feels like your skin Mm -hmm. and then they're getting a little bit of that milk. And sometimes they just need a little bit of food to calm down so they Mm -hmm. can organize themselves to get back to the nipple. Absolutely. And that's one of the tactics we use often with popping on and off, kind of regardless of age is like, If baby is frantic, they are not going to coordinate their movements to latch correctly. So, hey, let's spoon feed them a little bit. Let's cup feed a little bit. Let's get them to calm down before we begin a difficult task for them. Mm -hmm. And then worst case scenario, they'll put a nipple shield on and be like, at at least we are at the breast. And then we'll deal with that later. (laughs) For sure. That's a whole episode. We do have an episode on nipple shields, by the way. Yes, we do. Don't know the number. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, it'll just be down there. <laughs> Go find it. Okay, so let's jump ahead mm-hmm. on the timeline. So now this is more like a six-month and beyond issue. Popping on and off for older babies could be just distracted nursing, which means maybe they're not that hungry and they're just dicking around. Yeah, it's and 
you know, I feel like it just always comes back to their little brains. <laughs> um, they're just like around that age, they just suddenly realize the rest of the world exists and that like they want to be a part of it. And it is okay, you know, to them be like, okay, so if we want a nurse, we're going upstairs in this room with the door closed. <laughs> and it's also okay to just put them down and be like, well, yep. if you're, let, hit me up when you're hungry. Yeah, most babies are going to regulate their hunger and eating correctly. Some babies do avoid eating and get really over hungry, but that's not going to be most cases. And we will link the episode to nursing older babies mm -hmm. in the show notes as well because we tackle a lot of that yeah. as well as our recent episode with Gia Gambaro Blunt. Oh, that was such a good episode. Yes, and she is a toddler <laughs> behavior expert. So if you're nursing like a two-year-old who's popping on and off and you're like, okay, I'm done. All right, you know what? <laughs> with a two-year-old popping on and off, absolutely put them down and say, no, thank you and walk away. Yeah, just walk away. <laughs> okay. All right. So that that honestly that was the easy part of the episode. <laughs> Here's the difficult part because if th those are like the first things we ask and if those aren't the answers, we're like, "Cool. Let's dig into 800 other reasons." I so I kind of tried to categorize these, but just go with the chaos everybody, it will make sense. So let's talk about supply and milk flow as a general reason that we could have baby not staying latched. And it's kind of like on either extreme of our spectrum here could be a problem. Can we start with a fast letdown though? Yes. Okay. So fast letdown is subjective. Yes. Okay. So I have heard from people, oh my gosh, I have such a strong letdown. And then I watch <laughs> it and I'm like, I mean. Yeah. And, and it doesn't <laughs> always correlate with oversupply. Exactly. I have, for example, a fast letdown and just very strong boob muscles. Right. I only have it on one side. Yeah, that's also normal. <laughs> There's a wide variation of normal. And a fast letdown is not necessarily abnormal. It's not. And it's not usually a bad thing, but it can just be a little bit difficult for some babies to keep up with. And I, I think a lot of the time what I see is the babies with you know, without super obvious oral dysfunction, but maybe they're like a little hypotonic or they have small ties that went unnoticed. They're the ones that just suddenly struggle with that. Yeah. So this will look like choking, coughing, popping on and off, or they learn because they're so smart that you have a fast letdown. So they'll pop on and off to get mm -hmm. your milk to spray and then they'll back up. <laughs> So it'll spray all over their face or all over what, I, and yeah. you're like, what the hell, little Brian? Like, I just had to wait it out, mom. Yeah. And they just like <laughs> look up at you and wait for it to be over and then they nurse. And yeah. you're like, would you mind? Can you not? It's a mess. It's but a it's mess. actually quite smart. And, you know, a, a lot of people, their initial response is, oh, my God, I'm choking my baby. We have to bottle feed. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen that a lot. Usually it's very small interventions fix this problem. Often we are simply talking about changing from a laying down nursing position to an upright one that gives baby the control if they do need to take their mouth off the boob, right? Or it looks like when you feel your letdown coming or you see baby start to exhibit those signs, you simply take them off, switch sides, put the hawk on that side, you know. Um, or you give them a little break to take a burp, let some milk dribble, soak it up with a washcloth, put them back on. Yep, that's what I went with. Yeah, and usually as they mature and grow, they keep up with it. Yep, and eventually one day they just suck it down and 
then I hear from people, I think I'm starving my baby. And I'm like, why? <laughs> yes. And they're like, because they're only eating they for five minutes anymore. at a time. And I'm like, what? And then they come in for a weighted feed. And I'm like, oh, no, your baby transferred four ounces in right. five minutes. Absolutely. And typically the turning point I've seen is between three and five months. Yep. Agreed. You know, and that in that time period, we see just this exponential maturity of baby's muscle control for their head and neck. Mm-hmm. That's true. And also they got to know you pretty well and they learn how to finagle you and hit the right combination mm-hmm. to get what they want. And, and you also know what you're doing at that point, right. too. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're like 4,000 feeds in by three months. <laughs> All right. So if you have any questions about that, let yeah. us know. But we're going to move into low supply and slow letdown now. Mm-hmm. So trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is a really hard thing for a lot of people to tackle because it feels like there is no solution. This is often when I hear people say, my baby hates my boobs. They don't like breastfeeding. Often this is kind of the root of the problem. And so how we figure that out is difficult. We might do weighted feeds. We might have you pump in clinic or, you know, pump and tell us what you got out of pumping, right? Which I kind of hate that one, but... Me too. But sometimes it's effective. I No, let me say this. I like it when someone is pumping in front of me and yes. I can see it. Me too. What I don't like is when a pediatrician or other healthcare says, provider says, go home and pump and see what you get. I don't like that. And then bottle feed the baby. Yeah. And then the bottle... The baby who is used to a slow letdown is like, oh, yeah, this is what I want. And then they won't get back on the boob. Yes. And then I'm like, okay, no, that is not what we're doing here. And Mm -hmm. often, let me say this too, these people that are in this category of possible low supply and slow letdown, they have already been bottle feeding or supplementing because of something that happened. And now we have a low supply as a result. Right. Or or it could be unrelated, but that happens too. And I think... One of the things that is a red flag uh, about this for me is people will say, okay, baby will latch on and they're fine for about two minutes nursing and then they get really frustrated. And I'm like, okay, so essentially during your letdown is the only time that they are satiated while feeding. Mm -hmm. So that either tells me you have a slow flow or a low supply. Or the baby's muscles aren't strong enough to remove the milk when it's not being forcefully sprayed into their mouth. Absolutely. So um, typically first steps for me here are, okay, let's try just like we would try hands-on pumping. We're going to try hands-on nursing. We're going to try breast compression, right? You know, and and we're going to see if we can help babies suck more effectively. Do they need some kind of like chin support or cheek support to suck better, right? Um, yeah, we're going to do weighted fees. We're going to make sure we keep a really close eye on poops and pees and weight gain just to make sure, is this the real problem or are we looking at something else? And also additional trick is you can, after your first letdown on the first boob and you can see baby's already getting frustrated, just stop, put them up on your chest, Mm -hmm. switch positions on the same boob and your baby's going to think it's a new restaurant. It's going to be like, (laughs) ooh, a second boob time. And you're like, ha ha ha, it's the same boob in a different position. And they will suck aggressively thinking it's the second boob and they could potentially stimulate a second letdown. Mm -hmm. So we can just work with what we have and potentially help your supply and Mm -hmm. help your letdown and help the milk transfer by doing two positions on each boob. 
Absolutely. You know, and if we do determine, hey, you know, you're not quite making as much milk as baby wants, that is not the end of the world. And in most cases, we can work to correct that. Yes, but try not to do that on your own. I think it's really important to have support in that, whether even even like minus the clinical guidance part, like just having someone who can say like, hey, we're going to check in about your emotions during this process where you feel completely invalidated by your own body. Right. And friendly reminder, your value does not equal your milk volume. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the next things that can cause this issue is if your baby is not latching deeply enough. Um, Kind of connected in with like a slow flow because a shallow latch can essentially not trigger a letdown, right? And can restrict your milk flow. So are we seeing like when your baby unlaps, does your nipple look like a tube of lipstick where it's got that little like angle at the end? Are you having pain with latching? Do you have flat or inverted nipples? Like we're going to be asking about these things to try to assess that, especially if we haven't seen baby latch. And this is going to be another one of those most likely early on things. Yeah. Early first couple weeks. Um, yeah. Primary and- engorgement is a huge factor in this, where your <sighs> yeah. breasts are just like giant cantaloupes, and it's like trying to latch a baby onto a kneecap. <laughs> yes. And the baby's like not getting stimulated to suck because the nipple is never reaching that magic button at the soft palate at right. the top of the that roof is of the what mouth. Triggers their suck reflex. Yeah. And you know the thing is too often this if we it's not in the first week or two this is often tied to. Poor positioning or oral dysfunction. So this can get complicated really fast if we're like, oh, no, they're latching shallowly because they have a tongue tie, because they don't have good muscle tone, you know. However, don't be afraid of this. I think it's really important to know if this is happening because there are some things that you can do at home to see if you can help baby latch deeper. Um, You can use different positioning techniques. You can use things um, like different breast holds or like the flipple technique where you kind of like do a C hold and you like flip your areola down onto baby's bottom lip and your nipple like points straight up at their, you know, palate. Um, takes a little practice. And assuming you're you're not engorged and your breast isn't yes. a cantaloupe. You're not flippling a cantaloupe. Trust you me, know, that's not happening. We can, and if we're engorged, we're going to try hand expression first. If you have flatter inverted nipples, we might try things like a latch assist to try and evert those a little bit. A little reverse pressure softening. Yeah. Maybe a little haka beforehand to alleviate some of the pressure. Definitely ibuprofen. Do we have an episode on engorgement? I feel like we do. We have one on the first few know. days of life. We'll link the first few days of life one. That's an early episode where I was still doing the audio editing, so apologies for the quality. Yes, it's fine. We did our best. We did our best. (laughs) Yeah, gosh, honestly, at this point, when someone's like, do you have an episode on that? I'm like, don't. I Maybe. Yeah, Have you Googled it? (laughs) Google Milk Minute Podcast plus sign and whatever topic you're looking for, and it'll probably come up. It might be there. (laughs) Yeah, but – you know, I, I know this is hard to hear when we're like, hey, try one of these 20 things. But if you're doing an individual consultation with someone like us, you know, we're going to be able to give you a prioritized list. And typically what I do, right, we're on the phone or we're in person and I'm like, okay, I'm giving you this list, but don't don't worry about it. I'm going to email it to you as soon as I get off the phone with you and I'm going to prioritize it. I'm going to say try this first. Try it for this long 
if that doesn't work, try this. Try it for this long. Try it with this other thing. Because you shouldn't have to be a lactation expert to feed your baby. Yeah, or like try it right now and let <laughs> yeah, me watch it. exactly. So Elsie's are there for you for this. Yeah, we live for that moment where you get the baby on and you're like, yes. And we're like, stay calm. Even though we want to shout and move. scream. Nobody move or Don't breathe. breathe. Hold your mouth right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break to thank a couple sponsors. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about reasons for popping on and off. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor, Aeroflow. Aeroflow is your one-stop shop to get the most popular breast pumps and accessories through your insurance. Yeah, so don't let your insurance go to waste. Why don't you let Aeroflow do all the dirty work for you? You never have to call your insurance when you use Aeroflow. And they remind you when you're eligible for free replacement parts. Yep, so when you're tired in your postpartum period and you're wondering why your pump isn't working as well, you might get a text that says, did you know you need replacement parts? And you say, I did not know that. You push a button and boom, they show up at your door. Thanks, Aeroflow. Thank you so much. Go ahead and check out the link to Aeroflow in our show notes and order your pump through them. Heather, have I told you about my new favorite place to get nursing bras? Oh, tell me. It's called the Dairy Fairy. The Dairy Fairy offers bras and tanks that try to solve the challenges that come with nursing and pumping. Their ingenious intimates are beautiful, supportive, and can be worn all day long. Oh, you're allowed to look good and feel good about yourself while wearing a nursing bra? Absolutely. And they offer sizes up to a 52G. <gasps> oh, Amazing. I'm so glad a company has finally realized that a D cup is not a large. Absolutely. And I, it's so affirming to feel included in sizing and not feel like I'm asking for too much that clothing fits my body. Well, what else do we get? Well, if you guys follow the link in our show notes, you can use the code MILKMINUTE at checkout for free shipping on all domestic orders. Thank you so much, Dairy Fairy. Absolutely. Once again, that's the link in our show notes and use the code MILKMINUTE for free shipping on all domestic orders. Welcome back. Let's get into kind of like Uh, the difficult assessments where we're talking about pain and discomfort for baby. So sometimes it's just that baby needs to burp. Or fart. Or fart. (laughs) Those are the simple ones where we're like, put baby upright. Oh, look, they just pooped. (laughs) Yeah. And so if they are making this noise, (laughs) or like... (laughs) Uh. <laughs> and it's like repetitive, yeah. higher pitch crying. They're trying to pressurize their chest cavity mm-hmm. in order to force a burp out yeah. or force a fart down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And typically, you know, that's not a bad thing to check for always. It's just like, okay, let's put baby over my shoulder, give him a little pat pat, put a little tummy pressure on and see what comes out one way or the other. <laughs> Yeah. Um, It's not going to hurt them. It's not going to hurt you. And some babies, regardless of what we do, are just gassy little, little people. They are. And we always recommend Vivo Probiotic for these babies. We'll put that link in the show notes. Yeah. And you can use code MILKMINUTE for $10 off. I love it for all the babies. And it can definitely help with gas. Mm -hmm. And it can help to kind of slow down that process of digestion that is always churning, churning, churning when we have extra stuff to digest. So it kind of helps the digestion along. Absolutely. Um, And then also 
if you see your baby back arching a lot, everyone always goes, I think they have reflux. They're back arching. I saw it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God. So do we have an episode on reflux? I don't know. I think <laughs> Not do. yet because it – no, no. So we don't because every time we talk about it, we get really mad about, like, non-evidence-based medication practices yeah. regarding reflux. And then we're like, we should get somebody in here to talk about it. And then we don't. So <sighs> Okay. Well, that's on the list too. But <laughs> so – Reflux, true reflux in babies, is pretty rare. Yeah. Um, they are on an all-liquid diet, and they lay down most of their lives, and their sphincters all along their GI tube are pretty neurologically immature. They don't know when to open and close at the right and wrong times. So your baby is not constipated, most likely, because they don't have a giant turd in there that is not able to be passed. It's liquid. It's their sphincter being like, do I open now? No. Yes? No. Yes? I'm going to shart. I'm just going to shart 12 times instead of opening one really good time. And so that's why they are doing that, like, mm -hmm. arching thing. They're just trying to figure it out and physiologically help their body do the things. So give it time. Unless your baby is losing weight, refusing to eat, absolutely miserable, I really don't. Or they're hoarse constantly. Yeah. If they are hoarse, absolutely constantly, projectile vomiting, obviously go to your pediatrician. Yeah. Other than that, they're just happy spitters that need to Most mature a little time. bit. Yes. Okay. So one of the other things we see, especially soon after birth, is that babies can have some neck or back pain, right? Particularly those who were asynclitic where they were like, let me just turn my head 20 degrees this way and you can shove it out of a birth canal and I'm not going to turn it back. Right. <laughs> yeah. And... um. Oftentimes, if you have a C-section mm -hmm. because of stalled labor and your baby comes out with a crooked cone head, you're like, yep. yep, that's what happened. That's it. So if your baby is showing side preference or you have incredible pain on one side where baby mm -hmm. can't open their mouth wide enough, it could be that they are super tight on one side. Yeah. And typically, if that's the case, you're going to notice when baby sleeps, their head is facing one way. Or when they move their arms, one of their arms isn't going to have the same range of motion as the other one. It doesn't usually only appear when nursing. If you can pay attention, you might see those signs other times. And if you're a lactation consultant listening and you're wondering how to manage that in the first couple of days of life, you know, obviously we're not rushing off to the chiropractor 24 hours yeah. after birth. But what you can do is you can gently hold the baby and tip them upside down and this always freaks the parents I out. I love the upside down releases. <laughs> yeah, because it's like first of all your baby was just head down for the past 10 yes, weeks. Yes, that I warn people that before I do. I'm like I'm going to invert your baby upside down. However, might I remind you that we have been telling you it's a good thing your baby is upside down for the last 6 weeks of your pregnancy. <laughs> right. So we're and we're not completely upside down. We're just like at a decline. Yeah. And so we're going to gently tickle the baby's cheek on the side that they don't want to turn to. And so we're going to use their reflexes to help them by elongating their spine and neck with that gravity position. And we're going to encourage them to turn their head the other way. And oftentimes they will just slowly release and they'll be like, oh, yes, thank God. And then we try. <laughs> Do you know, so I years ago was training with a midwife. We went to postpartum. They were having issues like this. And she was like, okay, I'm going to do some body work for baby. And she did a couple of different things. But one was basically a full like dangle inversion. Like she had her forearm like around baby's waist 
with their legs kind of tucked over and had him against her torso, you know, so supported, but like fully inverted. And I had measured baby earlier in the appointment. And then so when she was all done, I was like, do you think I could take baby's length again? Like, I'm just curious now. (laughs) And that baby gained, like, almost a whole inch just, like, unfurling their body. It was wild. That baby was so tense. Oh, that's crazy. Now, I'm not saying you should, like, dangle your baby upside down. This was a trained professional, and it was a specific technique. However, it can be very effective. Yeah. Uh, You can consider... You know, if this is a problem, it's a persistent problem, and you have the resources. There are lots of professionals who are trained to do that kind of body work for baby. And who you're going to go to usually is dependent on who is local and who is trained, right? Some occupational therapists have training in this, some chiropractors, some um, osteopathic doctors, etc. So the thing is you're going to have to call around (laughs) and be like, hey – Do you have training and experience in working with infants of this age with this problem? Yep. And if you're like, I would never think about doing chiropractic on a baby, we will link our chiropractic episode in the show notes because you need to learn more about it. Um, Right. And it's, you know, if you're not comfortable with that, that's okay. But don't discount it just, you know, without learning a little bit. Right. Before Um, you put your kid in a helmet... Yeah. Maybe consider for sure some other preventative options before you get to that point. Yeah, and you might also find someone who's trained in cranial sacral therapy. But, you know, the point is, I guess there's a variety of different therapy techniques that can help with this. Okay, next we have mouth pain. So possibly <sighs> baby is popping on and off because there's something going on in their mouth that is really hurting them. The mouth pain one is hard because every time I've had to tell this to a parent, they immediately feel immense guilt, right? Yeah. They're like, oh my God, my baby has had a sore in their mouth and I didn't know. Yeah. But it happens. It's okay. Often babies get sore spots in their mouths just from repeated friction against a hard object like a pacifier or a bottle nipple. Or aggressive bulb suctioning with the bulb syringe after birth where they jam it in there. By they, I mean probably not you, but maybe you and it's okay. When it is improperly used, right? Because when we're taught how to do this, we are taught only suction what you can see. (laughs) So you're supposed to actually visualize the area before you suction and not just like shove it in and roll it around and suction. However, that is not always how it's executed. Often the area that is affected is the junction between the hard palate and the soft palate. every time. There or what I've seen is like just kind of on the side of the like inner area of the back gums where a molar would come Mm -hmm. in. You know, (sighs) and the way we kind of work through this, unfortunately, there's nothing you can put on it topically. We have to work with positioning. So obviously we eliminate the hard object. Um, We have to get baby fed. So cup feeding, syringe feeding, finger feeding, or just trying to feed in a more upright position. So Mm -hmm. an upright position can really kind of take that pressure off because of gravity from the roof of the mouth. Yeah. And, you know, the good news is mouths heal quickly, right? They're a mucous membrane. Seriously, like two to three days, sometimes those are completely gone if we have removed the offending, like, cause, right? But 
we have to be super, super careful about how we're feeding in that time. If we have a sore and we're constantly hitting it, even with a nipple, it might not heal. Yeah. And some people actually have hard spots on their nipples, Mm -hmm. which can cause that. So if you're like, uh, we don't use a pacifier, we haven't used a bottle, we didn't have a bulb syringe, and this is, and then you look in your baby's mouth and you see like a giant butterfly-shaped canker sore between their hard and soft palate, look at your nipple. Do you have a rough spot on your nipple potentially? Like, do we just need to sideline nurse or Mm -hmm. maybe just change the position completely for a solid week? And and we might need to just mostly cup feed for a couple days, which Mm. stinks, (laughs) but... You know, the quicker we can get this to heal, the better we're going to have, the better like latch and long-term breastfeeding we're going to have. If you want to know what that looks like, you can Google it. But essentially, if you've ever had a canker sore where it's like a white, shiny patch in your mouth, they basically look like that. I've seen them look a little bit more like bluish, purplish before, but they usually have a white sheen. Yeah. Also on that same note is yeast. So if we have a really bad yeast infection in the mouth, it can be very bothersome to them. Yeah, it usually has to be pretty severe to cause them pain. Yeah, Um, you'd probably know by then. Because I've seen a lot of kids that have yeast, like one little patch of yeast in their mouth, and it just stays there for months, and it never gets worse. It never gets better. It just kind of hangs out until Mm -hmm. baby gets a virus, and then it, like, explodes Mm. with yeast. And I'm like, ah! (laughs) So we just keep an eye on it. So if you know your kid has a little spot, you know, and just the, keep an eye on it. Just keep an eye on it. And then with always with mouth pain, we have teething. Sometimes teething creeps up on us way earlier than we expected, right? Very rarely, but you know, sometimes a two month old comes in and they're like, Wow, they won't latch, they won't say and then I look in and I'm like, Oh, they're growing a tooth. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it's an older baby and we just are so flustered and sleep deprived we haven't thought about it being teething. Yep. And we will link our episode. On teething, it's called Tooth Care for Your Gummy Baby in the show notes. Yeah. On that note, Lyra, I feel like we've hit that point where she's just going to be growing like seven teeth at once until they're all in. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like every time I look in her mouth, it is like a horror movie in oh, there God. where there's like teeth half erupted and inflamed gums. And <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Honestly, like th- she's not that crabby about it most days, but... <laughs> I kind of forget about it as being an issue until sometimes I look and I'm like, ooh, that's a new one. Sorry about your mouth. (laughs) Okay. So just basically get through that time, get more resources, and be easy on your baby and yourself. One of the other very, very common and easy to fix causes that I see is simply an unstable position. And this is when I see people say in... You know, they're holding their baby cradle with one hand, their butt and their legs are like out in the air, (laughs) or, you know, they're holding baby against them, but their head and their body are twisted different ways, or their arm is stuck. And that is understandable, especially with a newborn. They're crying. You're flustered. You don't know what you're doing. They don't know what they're doing. So you just kind of get them close and latched in any way you can, but it might not be a sustainable position for them. Yeah, they don't like to feel like they're falling, Mm -hmm. especially. So you got to put something under their feet. Maybe try to to check the following things. Is any part of their chest facing the ceiling? If it is, stop doing that. Is the posterior arm, so like the bottom arm, 
between the baby and your breast. If so, remove that arm and put it around the boobs so yeah, the arm isn't pushing baby away. Yeah, you a little hug. Yeah, we need a big giant boob bear hug. We don't need the arm stuck in the middle. And that's tough in the early days because they're so contracted up and they really want to keep those arms close to them. And then the other thing is make sure their chin is flicked down mm-hmm. so their bottom lip is popped out. And just go ahead and flick that chin down. Just You won't be able to see the bottom lip. Just do it. Anything else? With baby's butt and feet, typically what I do is I tell people to have their hand under their butt and then um, shove a pillow under their feet or like a blanket or something. And that, you know, their feet, you must be – a lot of people are like, why do I have to support their feet? Look, it is (laughs) one of those like OT tricks that a lot of people use to get folks eating who haven't been eating in a long time, like especially geriatric patients, pediatric patients. If they're sitting at a chair with their feet dangling, it, for whatever reason, (laughs) doesn't always set you up to eat well. So making sure their feet and their butt are supported at the same time is going to help them latch. And, again, we have an entire episode on positioning tricks for mom and baby that we will link in the show notes because sometimes we need to adjust you as well. Yeah, and I know we're kind of keep mentioning episodes we've done. That's because this problem is so multifaceted that we basically in every assessment have to bring in like little pieces of knowledge about all of the different possible lactation problems. Yeah. And so if you're like, ooh, that one's me, go to that episode and learn more about it. Okay. The other thing, of course... Tongue ties. Buckle ties. This one gets a lot of press. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why, uh, but it does. I mean, I know why. (sighs) I know why. I I guess. But anyway, so there's a lot of hype about oral dysfunction, tongue ties, lip ties. When do we need to cut them? What do we do? We're not going to go into all that right now. Um, There are many differing opinions on that. Not a whole lot of great research on it, but it's coming in, trickling in slowly. However, in this assessment, we're going to, you know, we might need to do a full oral functioning assessment. Do we have a tongue tie? Can the lips both flange out? Do we have strong enough muscle tone to suck well? Does baby sleep with their mouth open? Because that is a sign of oral dysfunction. When their mouth is closed, does their tongue rest on the roof of their mouth, which you can test by opening their little mouth and seeing if their tongue goes, like, <laughs> off. <laughs> um, you know, and and we might need to do a really hands-on assessment for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and also, I will say, during virtual assessments, mm-hmm. I will have people send me Pictures of the baby's mm-hmm. mouth when they're crying, pictures of their mouth at rest. It has to be well lit. Like, it's not yeah. impossible, but it's <laughs> I'm harder. Like, Can you do a panorama of your baby's mouth oh with surround lighting? <laughs> and listen, I'll do it. Yeah. I will do it every time. But, you know, the very obvious ones where your baby's tongue, when it sticks out, looks like an M. Mm. So an M-shaped yeah. tongue. That tongue is not going to be able to hold a nipple in the mouth. And so if your baby is sounding like this throughout a whole feed, not just in the beginning during the letdown, but the whole feed. Right. And they're getting upset and they're just constantly like. Yeah. Another good red flag to notice is do they also have trouble with the bottle? Like, is Mm -hmm. it not just your nipple? Do they leak when they're drinking? Do they refuse pacifiers? Mm hmm. Right. You know. 
This kind of oral dysfunction can be so complicated to manage and to assess, but you know, we we can give you guys some of those red flags to look for, and that usually is going to tell you, okay, I should probably seek some professional help with this. Things that we can consider, you know, you can certainly consider revisions for tongue ties or lip ties. I would strongly encourage you to also do body work both before and after that if you're considering it, occupational therapy, things like that. Yep. And when all else fails... Try a reset, yes, which is skin to skin, on the chest, or just on the chest, so mm-hmm. chest to chest. And that is your home base until kindergarten. <laughs> and beyond. And beyond. <laughs> when you're having a bad day, don't you want to hug chest to chest with somebody, take a nice deep breath, and calm down? I yes. do, most of the time. you know. Or I think I don't, and then someone makes me do it, and I go, oh, yeah, this is, mm-hmm. yep, you're right. I need to reset. And so calm down the nervous system of both of you. Take a deep breath. Lower your shoulder blades in the, on your back. Make it the bottom of your shoulder blades kiss. And then once baby's brain is back online, give them a little bit of milk on a mm-hmm. spoon to calm their brain down. Let them know that they're going to have some food. Talk to them like a real person and say, I'm going to get you some food, little Brian. You don't need to be upset. It's right. here for you. And then you try again in a new position with support and do your best. Yeah. And I know this one might sound a little crazy to you, but so a lot of people shy away from nursing while baby wearing. However, if you can do it, and just baby wearing in general is going to help, but if you can nurse in the carrier, a lot of babies calm the fuck down because it's like they're being swaddled doing skin to skin and nursing all at the same time yep and you might need some help with this the first Mm -hmm. few times so you know don't feel bad if you don't get it but it's worth practicing yes okay so we did it i feel like we just read a dictionary of popping on and off i I think we just went through like the glossary of like your lactation textbook oh (laughs) Actually, I should we should have consulted that. Might have made this a lot easier. <laughs> oh, oh I wish we were smarter. Well, I hope some of that is helpful to you. I'm sure that we missed some of the possible reasons for that, but I also kind of want you to understand that if you're experiencing this and you can't figure out what's wrong, that's not your fault. This is a complicated problem. Sometimes it has a really easy solution, but assessing it can be very difficult. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. All right. Well, let's take a minute to thank one of our sponsors before we get to our favorite segment of the show, the award in the alcove. Do you have a baby that struggles with excessive gas, fussiness, colic, and general sleep problems? Well, I did, but then I used Avivo probiotics. Avivo is a pediatrician-approved probiotic for babies that's even used in NICUs on the gentlest tummies all over the United States. It is an amazing, unique product that contains a specific strain of B. infantis that we need to digest human milk oligosaccharides. That's actually 15% of breast milk that your baby will then be able to utilize, whereas if you don't have the bacteria, There's so much extra in the gut, which is why American babies poop like 10 times a day more (laughs) than babies that are colonized with B. infantis. 
I have personally seen this probiotic help my baby and the babies of many of my clients. And frankly, if we're dealing with any of these symptoms, it is the first thing I go to. And the best part is it's not like any other probiotic that we would take when we're sick or taking antibiotics where you take it every time you go through antibiotics for the rest of your life. If you give your baby Evivo in the first 100 days of life, it actually colonizes in their gut and becomes a part of their immune system, which then they can pass to the next generation. And this is how we make change, y'all. Evivo is amazing because it's gonna safeguard your baby's health today and give you peace of mind in the future. Check out Avivo Probiotics through the link in our show notes. And enter code MILKMINUTE for $10 off. All right, Maureen, it's a good award today. Do you want to read it? Yes, I'm very excited. I feel like I haven't done this in forever. I know. We actually, (laughs) we have not been in the studio for a little bit, so this is exciting. Yeah. Okay. So today we have a nomination from a friend of the recipient. And she says, I want to nominate Kayla Clausen for giving birth to preemie twins and immediately getting to work pumping, learning about pumping schedules and equipment, asking for help when she needed it, and building her support network. Very important. She's a rock star, and I'm so proud of and excited for her. I love that. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. She just like hit it full on. She's you like, should oh. nominate your friends, people. This is heartwarming. Yeah, nominate. We have never had someone nominate a friend before. Yeah. So I is, mean, you should also hype yourself up. Yeah. Like that's what we're all about, but also hype up your friends. Yeah. That's what we're <laughs> doing here. Community. So I wrote three ideas for awards. I'll let you pick one. Okay. I know what we're going to do. Kayla, we're giving you the single-minded, double-hearted award. Yes, I knew you'd pick that one. (laughs) I worked hard on that one. (laughs) It's a good one. Um, We're super proud of you. We know just how hard it is to be managing all of those different things at once. And you did it. Good job. Great job, Kayla. And great job to your friend who is understanding the assignment of how to support a breastfeeding parent. Mm-hmm. Whoop, whoop. Okay. And we're going to close out with an Apple review. We love our Apple reviews. They make us mm-hmm. so happy. We read every single one of them. And if you have a minute, 30 seconds, could you give us a review as well? And we'd love to read it on air. This one I had to text Heather the other day because I was like doing stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, we have a new review and it's so good. It is so good. So this is from Sun4K8, which I assume is Sun for Kate. The subject is, I just love every minute. I am an LC in Ohio and fairly recently found this podcast. Every episode has made my heart and mind happy. From geeking out listening and then bringing info to my hospital team about the new mastitis protocol to episode 141, hearing for the first time my personal feelings of motherhood articulated so simply and profoundly. I just don't know the words to say more than thank you. You guys are on point, and I am so thankful to have found you and for your willingness to share and be vulnerable. Now I know I'm not alone, and as I'm sure you are discovering more and more with each episode that you are not alone either what a gift thank you thank you so much that's such a sweet review and so well written i know that is beautiful thank you so much it really helps us to feel like this podcast is making a difference yeah absolutely and thank you guys out there all of you for listening to this episode today The way we change this big system that is not set up for lactating families is by educating ourselves, our loved ones, and our community. If you want to support the podcast, uh, you can leave a review like that. You can bring the information you learn to your friends, family, and coworkers. And you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash milkminutepodcast if you'd like to support the show monetarily. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. 
Bye-bye. It's a myth.